winter is coming. Actually, winter is already here. On this episode of A Slice of Golf, we talk about winter golf, what we hate about it, and what we love about it. Yeah, there are things that we love about winter golf. And we also try to help a listener who is struggling after having a lesson. And as always, this episode is brought to you by myself, Chris Wright. Me, Tim Williams. And me, Ben Fowlis. Okay, we're back. And guys, the first thing I have to say, we failed to mention this last week. We should have mentioned this last week. This is episode 27 this week, which means that we have been doing this for six months now. (laughs) How amazing is that? I feel like like we should give ourselves a pat on the back. Well done Uh, us. Well done us for (laughs) basically chatting golf all the stuff that we would normally chat and just recording it so well done us <laughs> and a bigger thank you well obviously thank you to you two for joining me here otherwise i'd just be talking to myself but a bigger <laughs> thank you to everybody who's listened and has been listening whether you've been listening from the start or picked up kind of along the way thank you very much for tuning in appreciate it appreciate everyone who messages us uh, big jim has been back on the twitter we'll, uh, we'll come to him later he has we'll come to him later uh, but we've also had several more messages this week which is great and one discussion topic actually suggested by a listener so absolutely love that and if you guys have got discussion topics that you'd like to hear throw them at us for sure but before we go before we go dive in guys welcome back hi ben hi tim hello <laughs> <laughs> hello <laughs> uh let's uh let's start off with our own golf exploits before i dive into the sunday red events uh, that went on this weekend uh let's start because <laughs> i know there's a lot of golf played this weekend <laughs> or was there uh ben you've you've had an eventful eventful week uh how have you been getting on yeah self-isolation great Getting a lot. (laughs) Thankfully, um, the putt out has been a godsend. Really, I think uh, estimating. I reckon I've been hitting between eighty and one hundred putts a day. So I'm expecting to obviously drain everything the next time I'm out. A nice eighteen putt round would be not possible. But you know, we can think about it. Um, Is your living room flat? Have you got like, or have you just been? Have you got some curves in there that you need to counter? No, I haven't. Haven't even tried working on that. Just was just working on alignment every time. Just each hour, just jumping yeah. up, hitting ten putts, sitting back down again. Just trying to nail them five five feet, and then um, yeah, that's about the extent of my golfing exploits the past week. Watched a lot of awesome. YouTube, but um, okay, yeah, yeah. Right. But now, thankfully, we're now off uh, isolation, so um, the range has been booked in Thursday. A round has been booked in Sunday, so we are ready. <laughs> we're back at it. <laughs> Oh, I've missed in a couple of weeks. I can't wait. <laughs> Amazing. And Timbo? Uh, yeah, well, as discussed last week, I'm currently without wheels. Um, <laughs> makes it very difficult to kind of get to a range, play golf. Um, so after the debacle of the other weekend when the clutch blew out on my car on the way to golf, um, said car has now been completely retired um i think i'm picking a new one up on this friday um so actually you know after obviously turkey our our turkey trip did never happen i'd always planned to kind of i needed to do a bit of sort of life admin anyway um post that trip so i'd always plan to have a little bit of a hiatus what i will say is having done a weekend without it um 
it's not going very well. I'm just gagging to be back out here in golf balls, uh, <laughs> getting withdrawal symptoms. So there's a solid chance that uh, having picked up the new cart on Friday, I will be uh, joining Fowlis for his round on Sunday. <laughs> um, I need to ask a very important question about the cart. Yes. Have you checked that the clubs fit in the boot? I have. <laughs> okay, <stupid>. fine. <laughs> just checking. <laughs> just checking. <laughs> to, to the clubs to the showroom. <laughs> yeah. Before any conversation with said dealers, like, whoa, 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 you, you, you just shush. Just let me do something first and then we can talk. I, I yes. actually imagine. Do you, how, do you reckon golfers always take their golf bag to the showroom to make sure the clubs all fit in the boot? How many mm. people do you reckon actually do that? No, but I reckon a lot of them know the dimensions of said <laughs> bag and therefore. I mean, I did have a conversation with um, one, of the, one of the girls in the group today. Um, and she just bought a, a, ja- a Jaguar 4x4, and she said, and I quote, one of the reasons she chose it was because she knew for a fact that her golf clubs and another <laughs> to get in the boot. Which I admired hugely. Can I fit a trolley and my clubs in the boot? Yes. Don't care what it is. I'm buying it. Thank you very much. That will do. <laughs> <laughs> that is excellent. Um, well, then, we'll go to, we'll go to uh, what I was up to this weekend. Actually, we'll go to what Sunday Red was up to. Sunday Red had two events this weekend. We had one in Surrey slash Berkshire at Sunningdale Heath. Uh, which we'll come to in a minute, and the other one at West Midlands Golf Club. This was organised by Matt and Phil. It sounds like it was a great event. It was supposed to be a Midlands versus North situation. However, several of the Northern team uh, before the week before the week was over were put into local lockdowns and were not allowed to leave said towns and cities, etc. So I think a much reduced, smaller Northern team made their way down to the Midlands. And they played at West Midlands Golf Club. Uh, and guys, I don't know if you've seen, I hadn't, I didn't know this, at West Midlands Golf Club, which by the way looks excellent, there is the UK's longest golf hole. It's okay. uh, off the off the back tees. By the way, this, this hole is called The Devil. <laughs> Great oh, name yeah. for a golf hole. Uh, off the back tees, it's a 725-yard par six. Par six? <laughs> Bar six, which I've not seen before. Uh, I immediately want to go play this course so that I can see this hole. I wasn't even sure that was allowed. I <laughs> generally didn't know there was such a thing as a par six. Never, never heard of it in my life. What I, I, when you say so, so what was the, what was the, what was the length again? Off the back tees, so like yep. back back tees, seven hundred and twenty-five yep. yard par six. And you said it's par six, so. Tim, you're working out whether you can par this, aren't you? You're like, can I get there? Green, 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 think about it. Green and regs in four. Correct. Very doable. <laughs> based, based on, I mean, I've got no idea which way the wind's going. I've got no idea what. Well, yeah, way. anything about the shape of the. But, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm assuming. Four shot. I would assume that that the, the length of it is is the challenge. I mean, it'd be pretty harsh if you're putting in like a 750 yarder and then putting in sort of multiple water hazards and, um, you know, huge amounts of things in the way. I don't know. But what all, all, I says, I don't know. What, what, all I hear when I go th- through the, the length of like a par five or something like that is just kind of working backwards, if you like, from the green in the, yeah. okay, so to get onto the green, like a nice, anything around 100, 130, nice sure. Fairly comfortable shot. So if you work it back from there, 
provided you hit a good drive, obviously, you know, you don't, yeah. A couple of, uh, you know, four iron, six iron, wedge, done. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> again, I didn't, ask, I didn't ask how many of them. underplaying it. <laughs> I didn't ask how many yeah. of the players actually got, yeah. uh, actually part it or even got close. Um, but I immediately now need to go and play this uh, this golf course so we can play that golf hole. And by the way, I don't, I I'd be really interested to know if there are any other par sixes in the UK. So if anyone listening knows of any, please let us know. I'd like to uh, like to see those. I heard a rumor about um, I think it's I think it's David Gold who owns uh, West Ham Football Club. Do you Ben? Do you I've, do you know, do you know where I'm going with this? I'm not, I've got no idea where this is going. Think I believe he's got a nine-hole course in his back garden, obviously. Um, and loose I, definition of garden. Yeah, and I remember hearing being told that he had a par five that he'd never ever parred, so he just straight up changed it to a par six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I can confirm that story. I have, I have heard that story as well. <laughs> it's a I, good one. I hope that is true. That is that is fantastic. Um, and then we had in Surrey, we had at Sunningdale Heath, which I think is actually Berkshire. We had um, another golf day going on, organised, well, helped put together by, I, I helped. Justin did a really good job of putting that together, getting some awesome prizes together. And by the way, go for the golf. The golf is, the golf is actually excellent. So it's 14 par threes, four par fours. But this is not, I repeat, this is not a pitch and putt. This is proper par threes. Like you're talking 230-odd yard par threes, 240-odd, like, uh, I think we spoke about it before when I went to play there the first time. And the gre- they had a pro-am there the day before. The greens were absolutely mental. Like it was just, I, c- I couldn't deal with the pace of the greens. Like I hit a putt and I'd be like, that looks good. That looks good. And it would be just offline. I'd be like, okay, that's fine. It'll, it'll stop maybe a foot past the hole. 12 feet later, it's still rolling. I'm just thinking, good God, where- <laughs> please stop. Please stop. Must have been, that was the... The, the commentary of every putt that I hit was just, please stop, please stop, go go any further. Um, but also, quite a cool concept. On the 18th hole, uh, they had two flags. I don't know if I can't remember if I spoke about this last week or not, but they had the main flag, and then it was called your, our power play hole, and the second flag had a skull and crossbones on it, and they put it in a quite a tricky position on the green. And the idea being, if you go for that flag, you get double points. So you had to call it, before, like on the tee box, you had to say I'm going for that flag. You couldn't just accidentally hit a, a hit a shot and end up near it. Uh, but uh, VPAR, the app that we used, couldn't handle that, so we just decided to take a shot off whatever you scored if you went for that flag. I don't think anyone. I think everybody basically went for that. I don't know if anyone went for the normal flag. Everyone went for the difficult flag. Uh, yeah, which was uh, just a really nice touch. I think that was really good of the club to uh, to do that. I think that was just made that final hole super interesting. Excellent. The uh, my golf, I'll just give you a quick recap, was excellent for tw- 12, 13 holes. The other five. So you're falling back. <laughs> the other five were uh, blobs. So I basically was at 16 points through nine and was feeling like, I was like, I'm hitting the ball really well I feel like I've putted quite well I think it was on the 11th it's a I think it's the 11th downhill 230 
thirty odd yards. Um, and I don't have a club that goes two hundred and thirty yards really. So I was like, I'll just take my three wood and just knock a little, try and knock one down there. Well, I bloody topped it, didn't I? And it just went straight into the heather about <laughs> five yards in front of me. It took about three shots to get out of the heather, and I was just like, okay, this is blob that hole. And I just, I just lost it for like three holes. Couldn't, couldn't hit the freaking ball. I just psychologically broke on that uh, with that top shot. I uh, couldn't deal with it. Had like three, three holes in a row blobbed, and then maybe one more. I can't remember what it was. One more blobbed. Yeah, just absolute car crash was how it was described by one of the guys playing with me. He was like, "Chris, you have absolutely just melted here, haven't you?" I was like, "I, I really have. This is, this has just been an absolute, an absolute shit show." Uh, but I do need to give a shout out. Matthew, a guy called Matthew Barraclough won it, who the last time he played in a Sunday Red event was the most hungover person I've ever seen in my life. And I think he scored maybe eight points total. Uh, this time he scored 42 points uh, going around, absolutely tore the course to shreds. Apparently just chipping in and various stuff like that, which is outrageous. Playing off what? Playing off 18. Cut. Cut. Immediate cut. Obviously, immediate cut. And then um, in my group, I just had to have to give uh, a couple of shout outs. Guy called uh, Jason come up for he, had, he lives in Exeter. He hadn't made a trip just to get there. He had family up here, but um, comes up. Started off the year at twenty two, a twenty two handicapper. Right, God. Oh. Now playing off eight. What? Wow. <laughs> she still <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I I was watching him hit uh, hit the ball. And I was just like, oh my, like just. The most beautiful ball flight, just a lovely looking golf swing. And I was just like, his bad shot was a slightly leaky right. You know, I was like, that's your bad shot. I'm like, I'm like, this is, this is unbelievable. Like this is. He, he must have been putting in some serious practice time. Uh, he absolutely has been putting in some serious practice time. Yeah, he, uh, he absolutely has. He's, I think he said he had his first tournament after lockdown. And he came in and scored 46 points. And nice. then, so they cut him, but they didn't do an exceptional um, scoring cut. They just cut him the normal amount. I think he went down to like 20. No, sorry. I think he went down to 16 or something. And then he's, and then he was off. That was it. And he was off 16 in, in the next tournament, like a week later, scored 46 points again, off 16. Cool. And they were just like, yeah, we're going to have to, <laughs> we're going to have to cut <laughs> you again. So they've got him down to. Brilliant. Uh, Cut down to eight. I was just like, that is some unbelievable play. Right, yeah. Um, just out of interest, where, where, where are we at on the year in comparison to those two? Do you know where I've you got, started off at? I think I've gone backwards. So <laughs> <laughs> I think I've gone down 0.3. Like better? You've got better by 0.3? Yeah, I've got better by 0.3, but I'm still an 18 handicap. Okay, fine. Ben, you've definitely got better, right? You've smashed this year. I think. I think I started off the year at 13.5. So we're now, and now at 11. 11. Something. seven. Yeah. 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 You've smashed this year. Yeah. I think I'd added 0.1 every week that I've played. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I've had a rough year uh, on the golf course for sure, which is, uh, which is, yeah, which is fine. We, that's what, that's what winter golf is for. Eh? We're going to, we'll come on to that later. Um, and then, and then, yeah, I had another guy who, first golf day which i freaking love it uh, a guy called andrew first golf day plays off 28 and we, we were on the first tee 
he was the only one that hit the green 180 yards away. And I was like, 28, are you sure? Uh, he's then putt from the edge of the green, missed the edge of the hole by like millimetres. I thought he was about to birdie. And he then four-putted from there. So I was like, this is why you're a 28. Okay. <laughs> and he was laughing. He was absolutely loving it. He was like, this is... He was like, I think I can, if I improve my putting, I was like, you would you would knock literally hundreds of shots off your golf. This is unbelievable. Um, all in all, just absolutely awesome weekend. Everyone enjoyed it. Everyone uh, had a pint afterwards. And the food, oh my God, the food was incredible. <laughs> Never had a bacon sarnie like it. If you want a good bacon roll, <laughs> go to Sunningdale Heath. It was unbelievable. It was fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm going to stop there. That wraps us up for Sunningdale Heath. I think that's that. That's if you haven't played there and you're in the area, go play. It's worth it. It's it's great fun. If you, I, Honestly, if you think you remember there, your short game would just be, you'd go to other, you might not be able to hit a driver if you went to other clubs, but you, your short game would be insane. Uh, okay, let's move on. The pros. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna be honest with you guys. The level of golf that I've watched this weekend has been uh, not very much, I'll say. Uh, I've caught up on a lot of the highlights today. Uh, but we had PGA, we had the CJ Cup at Shadow Creek, which looked glorious. Uh, and Jason Kokrak, Kokrak, I think is how I say his surname. Apologies if I got that wrong. Um, took the win there and bossed it. And Palace, you've got you've got some stats for us there. Yeah, I, just, I was doing a little digging. I, you know, didn't watch a ton of the PGA stuff this weekend, but I did watch a, a bunch of the Europeans. Um, so I'm just doing the usual catch up on the Monday morning, finding out you know what went on, who won, and and the like. Um, it turns out Jason Kograk is sponsored by MGM, who own Shadow Creek. So um, it's a fairly new golf course. It's the first time that there's been a tournament there for the big boys. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, okay. So not many of the players had played there before this week. It, it's known to be this glorious place. It's, it's pristine. Um, it's reported that it's six hundred dollars to play around there. So oh, you can imagine it's 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 quite a nice course. It's Probably the most pristine course I think I've ever seen. So it's, you know, it's immaculate. So they were saying that, you know, the pros hadn't had much chance to go there other than the practice round this week. And Coke Rack came out and said, yeah, he thinks he's played there north of about 20 times because he's sponsored. Uh, and this is, it was kind of new news um, that came out that pretty much today um, on the PGA app. And they wrote the article breaking it down and they were like, this, this, this probably should have been information that we'd have, taken in, digested, absorbed and, and put out to people because, um, you know, if, if you're essentially playing your a course that you are very familiar with, you know where everything is, particularly on a, on a, on a new course people haven't played, you're going to have a, a heads up. Obviously, there's a lot to, uh, to still be done, but for him to, yeah, to go away and, and be clutch enough to hold, hold his game together and, and knock it he about. He was draining putts, wasn't he? He was just yeah. draining putts. I know he... he gave his caddy a lot of props for that. And I was just like, you, if you're draining putts from distance, there's just nothing other people can do. There's <laughs> like just no, yeah. no one else can keep up, can they? Uh, I thought it was interesting to also just, I was just watching Xander and I was just like, Xander is so fucking good. <laughs> like I just watched <laughs> him play and I'm just like, dude, you are so good. And I think you're, I think you're right, Benny, just beat into the pit by Jason, just probably local knowledge, etc., getting the better of it. Also, I was quite impressed by Tyrrell. Having been in London, essentially, 
sorry, the yeah. week before, pops out to where last minute. It's Vegas, isn't it? Is it Vegas? It is. Yeah. Vegas. I mean, talk about jet lag. I'd be in pieces, I reckon, <laughs> getting there on Tuesday or whatever and then having to play four rounds of golf. But Particularly did. after winning as well. Yeah, you well. know, the chances are there was probably a little bit of celebration after that A couple as well. of days were probably consumed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he looked he looked excellent. He played really well. Did you see the um, the his bunker shot where John Rahm divot landed on his ball in the bunker? No. Oh, Google this. It's quite interesting. So uh, Hatton had hit into the bunker. John Rahm is like before the bunker, takes his wedge shot. And John Rahm divot literally just flops over uh, <laughs> Tyrrell Hatton's ball. And it's just like, what do we do? What's actually... What's actually the rule here? Everyone's kind of like, what What do we actually... I mean, this has ever happened before. And they get the referee or umpires, whatever you call them out, and they're like, yeah, you can... And what he was allowed to do was take the divot off, obviously, pick his ball up, rake the bunker, and place the ball back down. I was like, well, that's a bit of luck, isn't it? Like, you could just literally Gosh. put the ball back into the a perfect position. But you could almost see Tyrrell being like, sorry, I can, I can pick the bo- I can pick this up? And, you know, like... He was checking about 30 times before he yeah. actually picked it up. And you're <laughs> telling me I can pick this ball up. Yes. From here, I can pick this. I'm like, yeah, I'd be, do not penalise me. I'm doing what you're telling me to do. Um, but that was quite amusing. Uh, European Tour, we had the Scottish Championship. Another, well, if it was a new course for the PGA, the Scottish Championship was a new course for the European Tour as well, I believe, at the... Torrance course at Fairmont St Andrews which is just up the road from the old course which also looked like a delightful course Tim Ben either of you watch this one I'm gonna completely <laughs> that I have not seen any golf this weekend I can only being very quiet I've, I've kept deliberately quiet on this section because I've not seen anything um I'm very sorry. Like I said, life admin needed to be done this weekend. You don't have to apologise, mate. You're fine. It's not as if it's a golf podcast or anything like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> ben, did you watch it or any of it? I, the I watched. Uh, I watched quite a bit of the European stuff. Um, obviously, both me and the flatmate were quarantining together. So after a good few hours of watching European tour golf, I felt a bit guilty trying to convince him. Uh, into watching a further five or six hours of PGA Tour golf. So I got my fair share during the day. Um, conditions looked cold, very typically yeah. Scotland. Um, you know, we saw a photo of West had fully uh, covered up with pretty much just his eyes showing. He <laughs> looked freezing. Um, just a couple, couple of points from, from me. Good. Well, Aaron Rye was very impressive again. Just, he didn't even want just, to play. He was just chipping in. But like, yeah. every time I saw him, he was chipping in. I thought, this is ridiculous. Just crazy how a hot streak can just it can just carry you, uh, and if and if you find he just seems to do really really well in cold British conditions because he was wearing two gloves again in the hat and the snood like he was a few weeks ago at Renaissance Club. Um, good to see Pepperell back, um, kind of competing again. Did well last week, top twenty this week. Um, good character, and I think I, I just enjoy seeing him. Like the interviews they do with him on the tee if he's he's playing well he's going to be in a better mood so he always gives uh, gives a bit back the one thing I, I did it did make me think when I was looking at it today I'd love to see Beef back in the mix um, mm. I know he's, he's got a, yeah. a long way off the ball and he's he's had the struggles and whatever but it would just be can you can imagine those two it, it paired up together in like a final round or a round on the Friday or the Saturday whenever I think that would be quite quite good fun 
And then kind of final bit for me was seeing Paul Waring chipping with a driver was quite a unique, <laughs> quite a unique I, experience. I've not seen that before. I've have you heard of woods around the green, hybrids, tried the hybrid once or twice, not for me at all. Yeah, but that's Cannot... like on the fringe. I'm not yeah. talking, they're talking, he no. was out the rough. He was in the rough. I have <laughs> absolutely no idea why that even came to his head because he was playing well. It was not like where Phil's done in the past where he's playing shite and he's like, oh, let's just try a few shots that I wouldn't normally try because I'm out of contention. No, Wareham was playing pretty well uh, at the time. And I mean, just what, pull, pull what driver you... up. Like, what, <laughs> what, yeah. at, what, at what point is that a consideration? Uh, that's who what I mean. What, that? Yeah, yeah. That's, again, who practices that? What, you walk up to your ball, you're, what was it? He wasn't even that far from the pin, was he? It was, it was actually, it was the, from what I remember, the pin was quite close to the edge of the green. So what was he, 20 feet away maybe? I don't know. And he, you're, in, you're in the rough, like the thick rough. At what point do you walk up to that and go, driver? I mean, I think other than putter in the deep rough, that would be the last club. I think they just, they just, would, just wouldn't even consider it ever. But it worked. Yeah, it did, did work. It, it worked. Did well. <laughs> it worked. And I just, I, again, Tim, like you say, who practices that? Who even thinks, let's just try, just in case I ever need a driver out of the, out of the rough? Because surely he has to have done, for, to, to have the confidence to, to go and try it. On a t- European tour event, I'd just be terrified that it would just bounce off and go miles. Like, do you know what I mean? Just fly off the club face, or you'd end up just hitting it further into the ground. Well, that would be my concern. Coming in too steep on it and just going bang mm. straight down, plugging the, it. The only thing I can think of in my head would be obviously it's the it's, it's the club with the biggest face. That's literally the only reason. I could ever yeah. think of why you'd ever take that club. But even then, exactly as you say, the, how that can go wrong. I mean, there's just a myriad of ways for that to go wrong. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, anyway, it was one. We haven't even given the winner a shout out. Adrian Otegi, I'm going to go with, uh, winning at 23 under, four shots clear. Like that is, that's nuts. And it was, Matt Wallace was in second. Matt Wallace was playing well, which I always like to see. He was doing really well. But yeah, four shots clear. That is, that's some good golfing. Some guy, twenty three under as well. In in you know, as a as a, a Spaniard, chances are he's grown up, beautiful conditions, <laughs> lovely and warm, and he's come <laughs> over and yeah, played really well around Scotland. I was looking at his last five um, tournaments, and he had uh, oh, where was it? Somewhere he'd finished like seventeenth. Other than that, he's been like miscut, miscut, miscut first. <laughs> like, how do you, how do you get that? Like, how does that happen? That is, that's that golf. Brilliant. That is golf, and that is golf. Yeah. Um, we have to do a shout out. Champions Tour. Bill McClellan. Yeah, two for two. Two for two. Two starts. Two wins. Made for the seniors. Clearly, <laughs> clearly I mean, made for the seniors. We only said that what a month ago, two months ago. I, I was going to say. I mean, we did call it. Yep, it will. And I don't know whether you two saw it. You know, it's not. It's going to help the game, and he is going to be hitting it an absolute mile past anyone on the Champions Tour. I don't know whether you saw his social media post of the launch monitor. Um, yeah. 181 ball speed, 337 yard carry. Uh, with his driver. Now, obviously, this is Phil Mickelson, so it's a bit like a shotgun. So it could be going yeah. anywhere. 
Yeah. But <laughs> if you're hitting it that far on the seniors tour, you know, you're going to have a chance. With his wedge game, the chances are he's going to be all right. Um, I got sent that today and did have a little laugh to myself. Just bonkers at 50, 50 years of age. Is, <laughs> Way further than all of us. Nuts. That is nuts, isn't it? Insane. That is crazy. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's good going from Phil, isn't it? That is, I mean, two for two. Do you, I mean, do you just stop and be like, I'm just going to finish leaving my 100% record here? That's, see, see you later. I'm done. I read that he's, he's dropping back down to the PGA Tour this week and then it, it's all in, in build-up for the Masters. Yeah. Because he's, you know, he still qualifies. So it'll be interesting I mean, to see how he gets on. I mean, we spoke about it before, didn't we? Is, is winning on the Champions Tour, is like winning breeds winning, right? And I think if you're, yeah. I don't know if it matters if you're winning on a different tour. I mean, that feeling of I, being able to finish a tournament, close out a tournament, is it's got to be good for you wherever it is. It's, 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 I don't know whether either of you two looked at it, but it's quite, when you start looking, well, I, I had a look for the first time in a while, I had a look at the leaderboard and, and the results from the, the seniors tour this week. It's quite nostalgic because you see yeah. what the leaderboard looked like back in the 90s. And you're like, <laughs> oh, I, I, I remember all of these players and you recognise the names, even if you would kind of forgot about them, but just seeing the name, you're like, oh yeah, I remember him. I remember this shot he hit. Um, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, cool. Let's go on to the uh, the listener discussion. Mm. So we had a uh, a message from a listener, and I want to bring this discussion to both you both you guys. I just want to have a discussion around it. I want to talk about it, and I want to kind of get our feelings on it. And I want to give us our properly average amateur golfer view uh, on this because uh, and you realize while i'm prefacing that with with that statement uh, we're not pros we're not coaching we're not doing anything like that this is average average golfer viewpoint so the message was uh, as follows i'm going to read it out and and throw in a couple of extra bits here and there if i think appropriate so i've had lessons with pros on and off throughout the years and really seen no progress sometimes my own fixes are working better for me rather than Sometimes my own fixes work better for me rather than grooving out the perfect technique. Now, this person's a 23 handicapper who says, after a couple of weeks off, we'll quickly lose feel. Plays all year round. Uh, obviously played a little bit when he was a kid and then started again four or five years ago and was starting to get results with lessons. So when you first got back into it, it was starting to get results. Things started to click and was feeling excited about his game, went back and had um, another lesson and tweaked, like I changed something else in the swing and it's all gone to shit and hasn't been for a lesson since. (laughs) So hasn't been back. Uh, And his playing partners are suggesting that actually, rather than investing into more lessons, uh, just get out and play more golf. So, my question to you guys is, or it, his questions were, do lessons always help? Do lessons, are lessons always a good thing? Especially for that, that 22, 18, whatever handicapper, that kind of level or any handicapper in, in my mind, uh, are they always a good thing? Is it better off playing more golf rather than uh, investing into lessons? And I, and I will ask, and I, cause I know the answer for, for, for Ben for sure. 
Have you ever experienced the it's all gone to shit after a lesson? Can I just jump in here? You know I struggle to stay on topic and you've just fired five questions at yeah. me and, and, and expecting <laughs> me to, to remember all of those. Okay, let, let me go let me go pot one. Have you ever have you ever had a lesson and then experienced the complete go to shit? Ben. I mean, speaking on my current golf game, yes. Um, golf lessons are it's a discussion I had with a friend of mine who's a very, very good golfer. Um, golf lessons, you have to go into it with the expectation and the mindset of that it's going to break you for a few weeks before it starts getting better. It's going to be a bit painful, not physically painful, but just watching your game almost deteriorate as you try and ingrain in the new habits. That's ultimately why we're there, because we're not as good as we want to be. A way to get better is to receive some, some tuition get some things to go and work on and then go and stick to your guns. If you commit to go into a lesson, it's going to be a complete waste of money if you don't stick to it. Um, and that was the mindset with me going and recently I had a few big rounds booked in at some beautiful golf courses and I had a lesson not long before it. And I was just like, I've got to try and enjoy these rounds as much as I can. I know I'm going to play terribly, but I don't get to play here all the time. You're going to get worse before you get better. Golf is the type of game where if you do get tuition, it is almost a case of one step back to take two forward. So can I, can I just, yeah, and I can I just throw something in here? So I think the the feeling of frustration from this person was that they've, they went into it feeling like that. And then, and I did follow up and ask, did you actually go and practice? Because I thought that was an important question to ask. Yes, was the, was the question. Having practice now, feeling like they are embedding that change I can't remember how long it was since they had that lesson, but they have never come out on the other side. I.e., They've never yeah. improved to the level that they thought they would or shown any level of improvement. They've just kind of got stuck in the, the crap, even when before it was feeling like it was about to, you know, or it did click and then they tweaked something else. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think with, with golf, sorry, Tim, I'll, I'll just finish off on this point. It is a, patience thing and each individual person is going to have a different level of patience of you know for some people they're going to expect to see improvements in three rounds others in 10 some in five i guess you have to then make your mind up and set yourself a target of like look i'm gonna measure have i improved by round five say if if, if, if that's what, going to be what's your yours target. Ben? what would be your what would you, your target be <clears throat> that's a good question I mean, bear in mind, I had four rounds in the diary booked in pre-Turkey and I was aiming to hit Turkey. Turkey's our big event of the year. That was when I aimed to, if you want to go for in the pro terms of like aiming to peak, um, I want to be playing my best golf by the time we go on holiday. So I gave myself four well, rounds. And that for me doesn't feel like enough. Like when you started making those swing changes and you were like, this is in time for Turkey. I was like, you've given yourself like four weeks in time for Turkey to embed this. That didn't feel like enough for me. Yeah. I, I, I felt pretty comfortable with it after the four rounds of golf. I, I felt like that was a mistake. But I did yeah. know that um, I'm pretty keen on, on getting down to the range quite a lot. So I had I kind of backed myself to, to practice my way through it. I can now say and have made up my mind that four is not enough. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I w certainly wouldn't do that again. Um, I'm going to come to Tim because we haven't let Tim talk yeah. for like the whole thing. Sorry, so yeah, so we, we need to hear Tim's voice. So Tim, talk to us. So 
Um, the question of whether I've ever walked off a lesson feeling like I've got worse, um, I actually haven't had that. Um, okay. I have been in the midst of an absolute real low and in kind of, I suppose, a fit of despair about my game and booked in a lesson and it didn't fix me there and then. That has happened. Um, long story short, I was in the shank zone big time. Panic for the lesson. I was like, get me a lesson. Just fix me. Whatever it is, just fix me now. Please fix me. Um, and it didn't work. Now, what I wanted to say is, um, I think it's very, very easy if you've had a bad round or a bad rain session where there's a where there's one part of your game that's going badly wrong or there's like it's, there's something going on. It is so easy to go to your next rain session or lesson thinking god i really hope i don't do that today and to actually focus on what it is that's been going wrong and i think genuinely speaking from experience because you're in that mindset of trying so hard or you're hoping so much not to do that thing that's costing you it's probably quite easy to forget everything else you should be doing or just concentrating or being relaxed look everyone knows you play your best golf when you're relaxed right if you're going into a lesson or a round or a rain session thinking okay last rain session i hit 40 shanks and i just don't want to hit a shank tonight you're almost certainly going to hit a shank because you're going to be stepping up to the ball and your only thought process is please don't shank it you you will shank it so i think the idea of not improving after you've had a lesson is, is twofold really is I don't know I don't also think you can necessarily put a time thing on it I don't I don't necessarily believe you can say oh, I'll give myself four weeks or five rounds or anything like that because the goal a golf it's it's such a fluid thing a golf swing like your your the way you swing a golf club will be different right if you play golf two days in a row it just will there'll be something different on a on a Sunday compared to a Saturday if you play um and so, and again, I am not an expert. Don't take any of this as gospel. This is just my opinion. I think where I've got to is, I think what where you want to get to is understanding if you hit a bad shot or if you've got a bad shot in your locker, what is happening in your body or your swing to make that happen. Um, so for me, as an example, um, my death move, if you like, is that at the top of my swing, um, I try to really explode into the downswing, which means I tend to um, literally grip the club too hard at the top of the downswing and then bring it down, which um, only ever brings you problems. Or in or in the driver, I, I kind of get a little bit too wristy, and that's when um, shots off to the right happen. Geronimo! Correct. <laughs> <laughs> so I think... It, I think there's there's a big part to knowing and understanding what it is that's going wrong in your in your swing and if it takes if it takes being in a bad place for a little bit of time um ultimately long 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 enough time scale it's going to serve you better um I'll come and talk about something differently in a minute but um yeah basically it's just it's just about look there, there are going to be times when it's not going well and it's 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 easy to kind of want to jack it in and just be frustrated and everything like that. The hardest thing in the world is to think, okay, that's going wrong. Let's understand why it's going wrong, 
and work on that. I think we're in, as golfers, you're always in such a kind of rush to get onto the golf course and for, for everything to be fine that you kind of forget that every now and then, look, it is going to take a little bit of time to correct problems. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'll just, yeah. just, just to clarify quickly, in, in true form, I didn't actually completely finish my answer and kind of ghosted around a little bit. Uh, what I meant by kind of setting yourself a target is saying almost like, right, after 10 rounds of golf or 15 rounds of golf, whatever it may be, if you are still having the same problems you were pre-lesson, you're developing those bad habits back, yeah. you feel like your game is in exactly the same place and you've not managed to implement what you learn in that lesson uh, into your game, then it may be time to go back. Okay, so wait. So now, now that I'll is going to be... Now that is going to be completely personal on that, but you, it is going to take time. Um, so would you leave we, it that long? Would you leave it 15 uh, weeks? I wouldn't. No, not 15 weeks. I mean, oh, sorry, I said rounds. And I mean, like, you know, we rattle off rounds. There are quite a few weekends where I play two rounds a weekend. So that would be, okay. for me, it would be probably six weeks if I hadn't seen noticeable change. Um, yeah. Not necessarily my scores, because the scores aren't, you know, there's loads of things that go into building a score. But if what I've worked on in the lesson I hadn't seen noticeable improvements on in six weeks, I would be like, hmm, maybe I've missed a bit of information or I've forgotten it that I need to go back and just get clarification on. That would be when I would be like, now's the time to go back. Because I think we're all fairly impatient. We all want to be the best golfer immediately. And it can be very easy to to expect to see changes after a week or two or three. And it's not always quite as easy as that do we know if um the person that wrote in has gone back and seen the same pro every time okay so this this is going to be my next question my next question was going to be around do you go back and see the same pro do you go back and see do you find someone different how do you know if that coach is is just not a right fit for you um in this scenario lessons previously have not have been with a different pro i think it was the last couple have been with the same pro but then hasn't had lessons since i think after lesson one with the the new pro felt like it was clicking felt like it was moving forward lesson two this is my understanding i might have this wrong but this is the understanding i had lesson two was just as things were clicking tweak something else to try and improve it even further and it's that second tweak that has caused the 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 crap golf if you were to come through okay so what and that, and that is a question when when do you feel okay i should i should go back for a lesson i should go back for a lesson with the same pro or maybe i should try a different pro um so controversially i actually think it's it's less about which pro you see it's about what kind of student you are and how Ooh. you and how you talk to the coach because okay, interesting the reason I say that is um, there's going to be tons of different types of students out there. So, for example, I know for a fact that I will be a completely different pupil to Fowlis. I'm going to go out and I'm I'm pretty sure Ben want, will want to, it to be incredibly technical and biomechanics and all this kind of stuff and wanting to get super, super, super detailed. When I've gone to see a pro... And, and I've seen, I, I, you know, I've, I, I've, I've seen multiple pros. I don't necessarily religiously, religiously always go back to the same one, but I'd always start off a session by saying something like, um, 
I really want to keep it simple. I don't want to have more than two thoughts in my head and I don't want to get overly technical. The the best kind of coach for me is someone who just kind of tells me something like, um, at the at the top of your swing, um, make sure make sure your right shoulder make sure your right shoulder is right underneath your chin, or feel like for example feel like you're winding up um, a spring and then you're just uncoiling something like that is that's the kind of information I need. If if it starts getting too technical and three four diff, five different things coming in and different drills coming in, that doesn't work for me. Um, mm-hmm. Mainly, mainly I, maybe I just can't deal with too many bits of information in my head. No, I'm the same. I'm um, but I would, but I would always sort of say, if you're going to go see a coach, explain, explain the way that you like to be coached is what I mean by um, the kind of student that you are. Like know, know how you want to get information and know what has worked for you in the past. Um, if you like simple, simple information, that's not technical. If it's kind of like, you know, start start the swing with you, with your legs kind of thing. Something like that has worked for me in the past. So I would go as far as to say you've got to give a coach to give you the best information for you. So I'd lay your stool out and make sure you're doing that. Uh, I agree with that. I'm always, so uh, everyone knows who listens, I see Steve Furlong, who's the coach in Sunday Red Group, and he's got all, I mean, he has got all the tech. Like yeah. Dallas, you've been there. He has got, or he's got the force plates. He's got the things that sh- you strap up and it tells you where your wrist was, what angle, degrees of angles. And I freaking love it. Like, I actually love it. No. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> wait. I love <laughs> understanding. And because I'm totally of the, if, if just by looking at me, you don't actually know what's happening in my body. Like, you don't actually know where my weight is. When you go to Steve's and you've got the pressure platforms, you can physically see that my weight is in the wrong place. Chris, your weight should never be there. Let's focus on that or whatever it is. And I love going through the technical stuff. I love it. And then as we're sort of getting halfway through, I'm like, okay, cool. I love all this, Steve. Give me the one thing. What is the one thing you want me to focus on next? And we always joke about it because he's like, he he, lo- he finds it hilarious how simple I need things to be. I'm literally like the, I'm like, I love the technical stuff. It's all about, and I do genuinely, because I think it helps me learn. I think it helps me become a better player. But then I'm like, okay, if I'm going to the range for the next four weeks, what's the one drill you want me to do? What's the one position or the one feeling or the one thing that you're after? And I, I'm in a bit of a, a, a funny situation. Like I said, my handicap, I reckon, has got worse this year. But it, A, it started getting worse in, I reckon, July, August last year. And I did nothing about it until February this year. And I think that's a problem. I've had six months or whatever it was of embedding shit habits. It's not going to come unstuck overnight, in my opinion. Like that's my, from my, it's not, you know, same, you probably deal with this in weight loss, right? People, people put on weight over the course of 10 years and then expect it to be gone in three days. Like it doesn't happen. And for me, that's the kind of the mindset I go in with my golf swing. I've embedded bad habits over the course of six months. That's my fault. I should have gone to a coach earlier. Uh, it's not going to unravel you know, it's not going to get better quickly. The situation that I'm in now is, and it's infuriating. I actually don't think at the range, I've never hit the ball better than I am right now. Like irons are pure dry. Even the driver is going a relatively good distance, not foulest distance, but it's going a relatively good distance. Um, And my swing speed is increasing. I'm loving it. And I step out onto the course and it's great for, as I said, like X number of holes, nine holes. And then it goes 
back to all my old habits and I can feel you know you know like oh I can just feel the the wrist flick or whatever it is I'm like what am I doing and then I get in my own head so for me would you personally sorry to jump in would you personally go back and get a lesson now or do you still well, see the benefit in working on it yourself and then well, trying to I, make it work I think it's time that I went and got a lesson for sure so I had a lesson probably probably maybe maybe eight weeks ago now um, do you currently know the feeling um yeah, and which you should be doing you just can't quite do it and you need someone to overlook it so i think it is partly that i i, de- I right. definitely i do think it is i think it is partly i think when i'm at the right re- and i think the reason it's taken me so long is when was it two two weeks ago i was at the range doing the drill that steve told me to do and it's been going okay and then the other day it started going like freaking amazing and i was like that's the feeling i now get it like i now and i was like it's taken me six weeks to get that feeling of that drill to actually to a point where i'm like i understand what that's supposed to feel like had i had steve there every day doing a lesson with me i reckon i'd have got there in two and a half lessons do you know what i mean because he would have on every shot he'd have been like no change that no change this change this change this do this do this Whereas when you're left to yourself to figure it out, again, those bad habits start creeping in again. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would go back for a lesson now. For, for me, I think it's time to go, okay, I'm, I feel like I'm moving forwards, but I'm at, a, I'm at like a sticking point, if that makes sense. So that's, that's quite interesting because this is where, I think as a listener, you, you've then got to make a decision as to where you are willing to be at because I'm actually the... I guess the opposite of you there, Chris, if I know the feeling that I'm trying to achieve and I can't get it, I almost love the self-diagnosing it. If I know it's something that I've been told I need to achieve, I just can't quite get it. I think, right, I'm just going to keep grinding it out until I get it and I fix it myself. I only then turn to a lesson when I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing and I can't hit the ball. (laughs) That's when I go. So that's where I think any listeners have got to decide where they're at in terms of what you're you're willing to do away in your own practice and what feeling what stage you're you're willing to get to before you're like okay right no now is is the time because everyone's gonna be different yeah sure i i think and genuinely i look i look at when this question was asked i was looking at my own game and i was like okay and it was the same thing what would i be doing what would i be going and i uh, we've spoken about it before how often do people have lessons for me, and coming back to last year, I shouldn't have left it six months of shit golf before then going and having a lesson. That was too long. And and to be honest with you, I kind of get to the point of coaches aren't magicians, right? And they, even Steve, with all his tech, I'm sure, could look at me and go, Chris, I think this is the first thing that we should work on. And I go away and work on it for however many weeks and nothing changes this hasn't been the case but it could be and i come back and he goes and we and we tweak something else and it fixes it or it changes something instantly it's just there was one thing causing another thing which was causing another thing which was causing another thing and and there's got to be i imagine i don't know i'm not a coach but there's got to be an element of we've got to find out what the one thing is here that's unlocking that will unlock everything else and i can't imagine they have a hundred percent success rate with every every little thing um which is why when this guy spoke about sometimes finding my own fixes and which is why I think when someone watches like all the different YouTube, this person doesn't, but when they watch the different YouTube channels, they may find something that works and clicks. 
because you've watched 12 videos and you take all of them and you go and try and one of them works which is great like my problem is the other 11 that you're now trying to embed which aren't good for your game um but i think i i I do thoroughly enjoy the trying to figure it out on my own i just feel that if i've got someone who's highly qualified and can tell me most likely this is what you need to work on next i'm going to go do that yeah yeah is my opinion on that i would i would never and and i know this person was saying that his playing mates were saying play more golf i i definitely need to play more golf i i i 100 agree with that i think getting out on the course more doing tim what you've done and playing those nine holes i think part of this is totally psychological for me i'm just being able to maintain what i can do on the range out onto the course on the range never i've not topped a ball for months get onto the course this weekend and i top like seven shots yeah, I think there's a there's a message in that as well. It says don't take your range form as you being uh, having ingrained in this new habit. You know, ultimately, it's, we're at the range to get better on the golf course. You yeah. know, judge whether a lesson has been beneficial or your practice has been beneficial based on your performance on the course. How are you striking when you're actually out there? But this is the thing, right? I'm gonna so I, for me, if I was hating golf, I would take a week off and go and spend it on a lesson. Like I'd be like, right, I'm not going to play this week. I'm going to go have a lesson instead. Um, this guy's got his mates telling him just play more golf, and I feel like he's edging towards the 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 tone of his messages. I feel like he's edging towards actually go and have a lesson. What would so, you guys be doing? So sorry, so he's still he's still got an issue with his game. Yeah, still uh, having an issue. In that case, no, I would I would not advocate just playing and playing and playing and playing and playing, trying to figure it out at all. Okay. Um, a just again I, I think a lot of again survey of one <laughs> strong yeah <laughs> um, generally speaking where where i think when i've improved as a golfer it's kind of when i've got to understand um the recurring things i do wrong yeah and understanding if i'm if if X is happening, it's because of Y. So, um, if you're catching it thin, for example, it means I'm 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 too wristy in the downswing or something like that. Or as I, t- I t- as I said earlier, um, if I'm catching it fat, it means my tempo's off or something like that. I think that that you are only going to get by seeing by seeing a pro, yeah. basically, and I think. Ultimately, the risk of you ingraining bad habits by playing over and over and over again is is, is quite likely to happen. Whereas, exactly as you say, Chris, if you think, right, why don't I just give myself, um, let's, I, let, why don't I give myself four weeks, um, not play four weeks, and have, let's say, you have two lessons during that time. So give yourself two weeks in between to kind of really focus on what they've said to you um again choose how you want to be instructed whether you want to keep it simple or if you want to be really really technical whichever whatever you prefer um give yourself maybe two weeks to work it out first time if it doesn't go back if you've if you've already booked that second lesson and it's work and it's working for you brilliant don't cancel that second lesson it's really 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 important don't cancel a second lesson go back understand why it's working what's going on because you might think you've got it all fixed but then he might, your pro might go and say something like, right now hit a wedge. 
and lo and behold, what you thought has been your fix might have actually caused another problem. So no, in, sorry, I've waffled there a little bit. In short, no, I don't think trying to go to a course and work out an issue is the way to do it at all. Go to your pro, tell them how you want to be instructed, what, how you like to learn and work on it, in my opinion. My perspective on it, I think it it comes with a, an it depends and then would fire a question back is, okay, when was the last lesson? How much practice have you been putting in? When was the last time you played a round of golf? Um, because if you've been playing kind of plenty of rounds of golf, you've had a lot of volume out on the course and it's still not improving, then I would say, yeah, definitely go back for a lesson. But again, it comes back to that patience piece as there is, you know, we're everyone's different characteristic wise some yeah. people are willing to wait a long time others it's one or two rounds i would definitely say pick your you know probably 10 rounds and then yeah if you're really not enjoying it and it's not getting better then i would be like yeah it's definitely time to to go in and check out what's going on and for me but if you're to... if you're after like one round or you've had two bad rounds then i still think it's like no, I, th I think by the sounds of it, this guy's put in the work. He's put in the practice yeah. and played. I think it's been months. I don't think this is. We're talking a oh, couple of weeks. Def, def, definitely um, go back in. I think yeah. the. I think because at a twenty-two handicapper, twenty-three handicapper, you'd be looking and going, "Okay, I should be making. I could be able to make some improvements here." Like if if he said, "I'm playing off four, I'd be <laughs> like, "Okay, like we're not expecting to be scratched tomorrow." Type thing. That's a that's a big jump. But someone off 28, you uh, improvements can be made quite quickly. And I genuinely think the, the lower your handicap gets, the improvements tend to slow down. You know, you know, Ben, you found this out. You're you were playing some of the best golf that I think I've ever seen you play, and you decide to go and change your swing because you know that no, but and I mean this in a good way because you know that if you wanted to get to that single figures, you're not going to get there with the swing that you had. Right, and so you've you've gone to change something for for the long term improvement, knowing that there's going to be a period of pain <laughs> within there. Um, and Tim, it's interesting you say that you're you've mixed and matched coaches because I would never once I found someone that I'll enjoy working with, I would never change coach because, in my opinion, assuming I get on with them and they're a normal and nice human being, in my opinion, the that person knows you. Assuming you've had more than one lesson, they know your swing. And when they're looking at you and they're saying, actually, we've tried that in the past, that didn't work. You might just get that same thing again from another coach and you can save that hassle with being with, staying with the coach that you're you're already with. Uh, so for me, it would always be go back to the same person. How, if, but like, I, if you, I guess if you can, definitely do. I, I, the, I had to, it was out of necessity because the, the regular coach I saw wasn't available. I'm shanking the ball and I need someone now. Um, uh, it was out of necessity, so I need to go see it. But again, it was more about in that instance, like I say, it was just kind of um, laying down that oh, when I've been coached in the in the past, we mm. we focus on X, Y, Z, yeah. and this is the way we like to learn and blah blah blah. But yeah, for choice, I always go back to the one coach because they know who I am and they know all my faults. And through Final. that, I know my faults. Final question. Yep. When would you change coach, Ben? Coaching, you know, as I've spoken about before, I'm, I'm a coach. Biggest thing with coaching is how you communicate with people. Everyone communicates differently. You know, a good coach is going to be able to communicate with, with, with more people and get onto their level. But even then, you know, we do not connect with every single person you will ever meet. There are going to be the best coaches in the world who won't be able to, or you won't necessarily click with them. 
if you can tell you don't click with someone, I would probably say almost straight away, look, this is it's probably time to change because the chances are they're not getting the information across to you in a way that you can absorb it, take away and go and, and go and use it. Um, I changed coach for a bit of context. I think since we started playing like four years ago, I've only had like five lessons. So I had three lessons of one guy uh, and then two of Steve. So I've not had masses, so I've not got loads, <laughs> a library of evidence to, to kind of support my, my argument. But I didn't like the level of contact and communication from my first guy. And that for me was a red flag. So I was like, look, red flag there, possibly start looking elsewhere. It's, I think, if you have shown an improvement in your game, then that coach definitely warrants another visit. Yeah. Um, they have clearly, yeah, they've clearly been able to put across their ideas. You've clearly been able to absorb it and implement it in your own practice and it's positively affected your game. Then I would say keep going. All right. Then if in that second lesson you don't improve quite so much, still go on the faith of the first lesson. They still helped you. Um, if you don't see long-term progression, you've had multiple lessons and you've not moved, you've not moved the needle, you've put in the work, you've put in the time on the course, then it may be time for a new set of eyes. So for me, it's communication. If, if, if you just don't click, I would then say move on. And then two, it's back them if you've seen improvement, but if after a few lessons, um, you just can't make the change and you, you've been working hard for a substantial period of time, then it may be time to get a new set of eyes as well. Those would be the only two times for me. Cool. Tim, anything to add to that? No, I, I, I think Ben's pretty much spot on there. I mean, literally all I'd written down was it's exactly that. It's how it's how you've been able to take on information and how you've applied it and has it worked. So I would summarise by saying, you know, if it makes sense, is it if it's simple to you or as complicated as you want it to be, but, but most importantly, if you can understand what they've tried to impart on you and why and you've seen the results within let's say two weeks that co that's a good coach and that's a coach that is worth sticking with if a lot of the times you know if if the coach just doesn't it, it just if they're not coaching you in the way that you want to be coached and they don't seem to be able to coach you in the way you want to be coached then they're still a good coach they're just not the coach for you yeah fair yeah, I think I think some of the, the the most golf things that happen is in a lesson when Steve is watching me and he's like, do this drill, and I do it, and I'm like, that's it, I get it. And then my first range session, no freaking clue what I'm doing. I'm like, how what, how could I do this while he was watching, and now I all of a sudden cannot for the life of me figure it out. I think that for me, should, like I'm like, if I've had that win in the lesson, I know it's possible. Does that make sense? Like I know it's actually like yeah, physically, yeah. I know it's possible. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap that up there because I think we've we've definitely just spent enough time on that and covered that. Uh, I just that just sorry, Chris. Just just to jump in. Are you gonna bring something I, okay, I, I would I would implement just because it's, it's what I do with, with coaching myself. Take as much as you can from the lesson. Obviously, write it down. You will forget points. Yeah. Write it down and reread it every time before you go to the range. What is my objective at this range session? It is to implement what the coach has been asking me to do. The human brain we do forget things very, very quickly. And you may get five out of the six points, but that one point that you missed that was brought up in that lesson may be the key. That may be the glue that holds it all together. So write it down. Okay. Or get a summary from the coach. You know, and review it. Yeah. 
Awesome. Uh, ben, to move us on, can you, uh, I know you're a Game of Thrones fan, can you do us the Game of Thrones theme track for us? I'm pleased that you went for that. I wasn't sure if you'd actually uh, give us the music there. Uh, well done. Winter is coming. Winter is on its way. In fact, I'd say I'd almost say winter is here. <laughs> winter is here, which means winter golf is here, and. For us here in the UK, that means all kinds of fun and fantastic things, situations we find ourselves in. Uh, so I'm going to ask you guys a few questions about winter golf. Uh, and I just want to get your uh, your responses, your opinions on winter golf and some different aspects of winter golf. So um, we're going to start strong. Uh, we're going to start with Timbo. What are the things you absolutely hate about <laughs> winter golf? The things I don't like about winter golf are the number of layers you have to wear because... Interesting. I put this down as a positive for you. I've literally got down more oh, no, gears no, no, no. for Tim. I mean, yeah, there's two sides of this. Obviously, don't get me wrong, any season which means you've got to wear more stuff means you have to buy more stuff. Ergo, you get to do more gear shopping. Great. Yep. Brilliant. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah that's brilliant don't get me wrong but yeah i mean look you said start on the bad stuff <laughs> yeah. there's plenty of good stuff um yeah it just every, every every now and then you kind of feel like if you've got a base layer on and like maybe some long johns and then you've got a shirt on then you've got a jumper on then you've got a windbreaker on and a snood and a hat i mean every now and then you feel like the stave puff marshmallow man on the team like i will just really enjoy a little bit more premium <laughs> in, in my swing at the moment um and the other thing the other two things that really annoy me are when courses don't close when they should we had an experience of this earlier in the year when we played am i going to name the course yes okay yeah. Okay, we played Celtic Manor, and when we played it, it should have been closed. Fact, Correct. it should have been closed. We yeah. were we were hitting the fairway, and balls were plugging. Shouldn't happen. No, no, Should no not. not even plugging. Disappearing into disappearing. Like, yeah. like disappearing into the ground, never to be seen. And not like plugging, i.e., I can see the ball, but it's just halfway underneath the ground. Gone, gone. For, like splash. Gone forever. Mud. Like there was more mud than there was grass. Um, and then the only other thing I would say. Just because, probably because it's probably the thing I've been working out more in the last few months than anything is, is I think just short game gets so much harder in the winter, so much harder to kind of um, be accurate with your chips and you know play it around the green nicely. Um, so yeah, the 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 opportunity for fucked chips and you know really massive divots and then this splodging of all nowhere <laughs> in winter. That actually comes in as a positive for me because I feel like I can be more aggressive, <laughs> aggressive with that when I've got a bit, of, a, bit, a bit more of a buffer zone. I love it. Okay, so Ben, what are your things that you hate about winter golf? Everything. <laughs> it's, uh, like a <laughs> it's increased chances of rain. I hate getting wet. Yeah. Uh, almost certainty that it's cold. I'm a delicate flower. I don't really like the cold. Um, and number three, um, 
just that the swing, um, if you've got quite a few layers on, is a different animal to what you swing like in the summer. Yeah. You do have to make changes. Um, and I just feel very restricted. So this is kind of to counter that as a tip for it. Try to wear as few layers as possible. Now, I'm terrible. I feel the cold awfully. <laughs> I will sulk with it. Um, but yeah, so yeah, just try and wear as few layers as possible for me. And that's countering the cold. Nice. Yeah, I'm also with the the plug flies are just my worst. The the only other thing that I would add in there is the you hit your drive, it hangs a little bit left or a little bit right. You know you're not quite on the fairway, but you're not lost ball. You walk up and there's roughly thirty billion leaves on yep. the on the edge, and you just your ball is never to be found again. And I'm just like, oh, that's not a lost ball. It shouldn't be a lost ball, and yet here I am now essentially playing three off the tee and I'm just like I've been penalized for a shot that wasn't that wasn't that bad that's another thing that really irritates me um do you do you guys use crappier balls in the winter or do you no, use I, the same I use yellow balls in the winter oh, okay interesting I've never used the yellow ball do you do we do you promote yeah better oh. you feel like they're better why do you feel like they're better I use them in winter because I think they're easier to find Interesting. Are I think it takes, out, in the summer too? it takes out some of the, the leaf uh, issues. Interesting. Okay. All right. I could be persuaded to see yellow balls. Um, okay, fine. So that's the things that we hate about winter golf. Mm-hmm. The other question, another question I had for you is, we talked about this last week, Tim, in your section about those, the courses from the previous uh, British Opens and the green fee rates being well on some places the green fee rates being greatly reduced in winter is now a good time to take advantage of those lower green fees of the nicer courses are are those courses worth not those ones but the nicer courses wherever you are worth playing during this time what are your feelings on that ben yeah i mean those golf courses are worth playing every time that you get on i think that's something that i promised myself this year if the opportunity come up to go and play a top 100 course or a course that you wanted to play for a long time doesn't matter where it is uh, sorry when it is go and play it my feelings may change if i wake up and it's absolutely raining cats and dogs but <laughs> sure. just go and play it yeah no matter how cold it is go Fine. So even though the course is designed even though the course is designed to be in its best in june you're I mean, still thinking yeah i mean we, we've already sorry to buy it we've already spoken about it celtic manor it was the course was in uh, we didn't pay the 2010. The courses were absolute bog marshes, but yeah. we were still at Celtic Manor. It was still an absolute belter of a weekend because it was the iconic venue with a good bunch of friends. Um, and it's something you don't get to do every week. And for me, yeah. I also, th- I also think Celtic Manor is a bit different. They'd had God awful weather. Like the weather yeah. had been awful. And I think Tim's right. They should have actually just said, we're not allowing golf yeah. and we wouldn't be having this conversation. The course, like they played there twice this year in the European Tour, it looked unbelievable. I th- I think we got unlucky with with the weather, and I'm ninety nine percent sure it's not like that the whole year round. Um, and if I was to go back there winter and it was in decent condition, I have no issue with that. It was just that weekend. I think we we got unlucky with the weather. The way I would look at it is twofold. Firstly, in summer you can find some absolutely belting courses to play this is in the uk 
I hope around the this is the same around the world. In the summer, you can find absolutely belting course to play for about thirty pounds. Genuinely, yeah. you, you just can. A, you know, um, a a a cheaper golf course in summer can be can be a great golf course. Winter is different, right? The reason mm. you don't play the nice courses in winter is because you're guaranteed. I would say ninety five percent of the time that they will still be brilliantly looked after. They will still play really nicely. They're not going to be in the boggy condition that, you know, your 30 pound or 40 pound course is in. Um, and the other element is just from a cost point of view, look, it's just, it's just cheaper to go and play these courses in winter. And, you know, if you're going to go and play somewhere like Scotland or um, maybe the West coast of Ireland, I think as we sort of said, we've said before, look, you could be playing exactly the same conditions in summer as you're playing in the middle of winter, to be honest. So take advantage of the um, the cheaper green fee and just get yourself out there, to be honest. Plus, according to Valis, it's not real golf unless it's in driving wind and rain for the pros anyway. Uh, and that's you've not experienced proper golf until you've done that. So that, you bet more luck of that happening in the winter. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, you're not made of sugar. You're not going to melt. <laughs> well, Valis, no. he literally melts um okay on to the more positive is there anything that you love about winter golf timbo yes as we've obviously touched on (laughs) you should buy loads of lovely lovely gears um because you need multiple woolly hats you need multiple snoods you need um you need rain gloves very important um you need more. You need more pair of more pairs of trousers than ever because you can't wear two pairs of trousers back to back days because they'll be muddy. So buy more trousers. Brilliant excuse yeah. to buy more gears. Um, so obviously, the, yeah, there's quite clearly the gears element to it. Um, I there's a few other things. I actually feel a little less pressurized in the winter when I play, um, just because um, the odds are not quite so much in your in your favor as they are on summer when it's in absolutely perfect condition and the ball's rolling and you're not having to deal with sideways rain or wind or sleet so that the pressure's off a little bit and ultimately if you have if you hit a 36 point round in january some would say that's more impressive than having a 36 point round in june right so the benefits of that are massive assuming you're not like yeah like the, the temporary greens and temporary tees or whatever but yeah if you're off the same tees and greens then yeah um and then the other thing i'd say is my way of thinking about it is that um i was watching i was watching a youtube video i think it was james robinson i think is the is the youtube coach that put this up and it was about winter golf and he was saying something along the lines of if you think about it that 80 percent of golfers don't like playing in winter and only enjoy playing golf when the sun's out and it's a, it's great conditions. Then if you can make yourself be in that 20% that can play all year round, how much better are you going to be and how much more are you going to enjoy it? And how, how much harder to beat are you going to be? So I actually think that's a really 100%. positive challenge in mind frame for winter. hundred percent. I, I, that always, we joke about it, but I know if, we're in a competition and Fowlis is in the running and it starts to rain. I'm like, yep, yeah, he's lost it. Yeah, <laughs> We've got him. Like, that's fine. He's not winning today. Someone else is winning today. Um, if Fowlis just got good at playing in the winter, then I'd be terrified of him. 
Yeah, I can't even, <laughs> can't even do that. I, can't, I just can't even defend myself. <laughs> that is indefensible. <laughs> Completely held my hand up for that. Ben, what do you love about winter golf, if anything? <laughs> um, when you... <laughs> uh, <laughs> When you uh, when you posed the question, I wrote down kind of three things. Um, we play on, as as we mentioned, some some uh, I don't want to call them average courses, but they are average courses at times. Um, Thirteen forty pound round. That even in the summer you can hit a beautiful drive and it end up in just an awful patch of land on the fairway. The bit that I like about winter golf is preferred lies, so you then get to pick and place it, which very good. Um, is is you know it's a benefit to, to some of 30 40 pound uh, around courses um not throwing them under the bus because there are a lot of brilliant 30 to 40 pound courses but yeah um two was it feels like a different game different challenge and uh, the ball's not going to travel as far the conditions are different so you do have to change your wedge shots your iron shots from the fairway you've got to change your expectations from the tee each green might react differently dependent on the height that it sits in terms of sea level on the course. It may just be more boggy than others. So it's, yeah, completely different game. And you're wearing more clothes, as we said, so the swing's going to need to look different. And a big thing for me, it's not necessarily about the course, but it signifies a winter golf. It just reminds, almost reminds me of being a kid. and Going back to around Christmas time where everyone's off, everyone's in a good mood because it's Christmas, and everyone just heads out to the same course, and you can get loads of you out on a weekday and it feels like you've stolen a day off work and when you get there to, to to the like the early morning you can see the frost just kind of cracking the sun's just yeah. rising like that is a brilliant brilliant time to be on a golf course because it's dead quiet um and few places you'd, you'd rather be for me i agree there's, there's something quite i don't know what the word is when you get there to a golf course early like super early and the sun is literally like has started rising minutes before and it is like the you can see the ice and it's it just feels very good doesn't it, it just feels like i love it it's, it's magical that's magical <laughs> it's, it's magical it's magical it's magical um also then the the final question i've got for you and this kind of ties in with the lessons chat that we've been having earlier winter is often seen as a time for people to go and work on the game and to change things and make major tweaks uh, and changes for next season so my question to you guys is how if at all do you guys change your game in this time in terms of um planning for next year lessons etc uh or do you not do you just go as you have been going or do you make any changes to what you're working on or anything like that benjamin i want to start with you each year I tell myself I'm going to play less rounds and focus on fixing the broken bits, but I suffer with probably the worst golf FOMO in the world. So if anyone just dangles that rod and says, oh, there's a round going this weekend, well, I'm going. I'm going to play. I'm going to sack off for practice and I'm going to go out on the course and play. So uh, for me, it's it's probably not a whole lot different to the rest of the year. I might, you know, I don't anticipate playing at the same volume. I don't think there'll be too many two round weekends but yeah for me it won't change a whole lot well i was gonna say you you managed to get the uh race to frey ventos championship sealed before you made the changes to your swing uh, we should probably say congratulations for you on that uh, <laughs> however planning for next year if you were in second third would you have gone and had that lesson mid-season or would you be oh, waiting God, no. till the winter 
No. And I had quite, uh, I was fairly confident at that point that the lead was un- unassailable. And then the two boys that were in second and third very quickly decided to put up some pretty good numbers on the board. So I was very nervous going into <laughs> the week of the tournament <laughs> closed. So to be honest, had I known they had strung together that kind of form, I wouldn't have gone for the lesson. So, so but you would have waited till you would have waited till end of season, waited till winter, and then gone and worked on that. One hundred percent, without doubt, that is one of those live and learn cases. <laughs> wait, wait, wait until the off season to make the major change. Fine, Timbo. I think if you'd asked me this question before this year, I would have said absolutely not. Just carry on doing what I'm doing. Just go to the range, keep playing golf. Just, just. Just literally keep playing golf was what I was thinking in the past. I think this has been the first year. and I think maybe it's just because I've kind of, during the summer months, I managed to get out and play with a bit more regularity in that even though my handicap hasn't hasn't gone down, I certainly feel I'm a much more consistent player than I've ever been right now. So I'm actually now for the first time going into winter and actually thinking, right, let's, let's, let's actually, let's actually take the time and think about, right, what, what's what's holding you back what's costing you shots and for me at the moment it is probably um it's two things it's putting and um the odd errant shot off the tee so those are two things that when you are probably going to play less i would say arguably during the winter they're two things to kind of and actually like quite two quite nice things to work on because what i don't want to do and we talked about this in, in previous pods is just be going down to the just be going down to the range on like a Tuesday night and a Thursday night in the middle of winter and just buying 100 balls and just absolutely just hammering balls. There's no point in doing that. Whereas if let's say I get a a Sunday morning in winter and I feel like, okay, it's, it might not be really that great to play, but actually, you know what, why don't I just go down to the club for an hour or an hour and a half and just go to the putting grid for that time. Maybe that's the time to do all that kind of stuff. Gives you an excuse to do that. Um, so yeah, I think this probably is the first time I'll probably try and analyse what has been costing me shots and work on it. Um, but then, exactly as Ben says, as soon as a round oh, comes and comes available, <laughs> I'm going to be out there. So I'm never going to turn around down. Fair. No, I think that's fair. I think if I was, by the way, one of the things that I love about winter golf is range time in an evening pitch black floodlit range smashing balls out into the darkness is just for me like one of hat on snood on (laughs) full gears i love it i actually think i enjoy that more than a hot sweaty summer evening underneath the tin roof of a driving range i just the i think it's the the ball going off into the darkness i just i freaking love that feeling so good so good um but i think for me i this year has not been this year has definitely been a full year of working on the swing for me. Hopefully for next year, once we start the race to Freyventos, I will not go and make major changes to the swing. Uh, I might go and have, I'll still have a lessons, but be working on smaller things, probably go for more chipping, putting stuff like that. And then, end of season i will then go and go right what's the next major change i need to work on over the winter for next season i think that's the difference again for me for this coming year than i would have done for previous years for sure um is there any 
amateur level tips that we can give the listeners for winter golf? Anything that they need to change? Anything that they should be thinking about? Types of shot, different shots, clothing that they should wear, Timbo, like snoods apparently now, the, the thing that they should be wearing. Any amateur level tips that we can give the listeners? Timbo, you want to go first? Okay, so on the clothing front, yes, absolutely. I can. Ha- I have some advice for you. Um, <laughs> I never know how to pronounce this word, so I might get absolutely shouted down. Excellent. Is it, is it a gilet or a gillet? I don't know. I think it's a yeah, gilet. A gilet. 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 Also, the really good ones out at the moment. Ping have got some just absolute belters out there. Um, so I would say that. Get a snood. Talks about snoods. Snoods don't inhibit you in any way. They keep you lovely and tasty. <laughs> lovely and tasty. Agreed. Um, waterproofs. What do we think about waterproofs here? So, interesting. Um, yes, you need them. But I wouldn't spend a lot of money on them. I would have get you, the cheap Have you ones. seen some of the waterproofs out there? It's like three, four hundred quid for a jacket. I'm like, Mate, what? I have a I have a waterproof jacket and the waterproof trousers I have. I went to I went to Sports Direct, went to their like hiking section and just said, right, give me the cheapest pair of like waterproof hiking trousers you've got. I think they're about fifteen pounds. I've probably worn them about twice yeah. in two years. Don't I, unless unless you are playing every you know multiple times a week throughout winter and you're a member. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't waste a lot of money on waterproofs just because they're so expensive and the cost per wear element it probably isn't yeah. gonna stack. Um sorry, that was gears. Uh, <laughs> another tip I've just actually recently stumbled across is um I don't think I'm gonna use a trolley in winter at all. Okay. Because um I've now experienced it a couple of times where the actual sheer effort of pushing a trolley through boggy uh wet courses actually it just gets really tiresome and actually gets a bit tiring i just i think i just carry in winter plus probably gives you a bit warmer as well so yeah, I, I, I mean, winter ben just uh, made a weird hand signal so i couldn't work out what on earth he was doing and now i just realized he was doing the five shots thing that the trolleys will save you oh, yeah. I, I just realized oh, what he was doing and the only other thing I'll say to make this sound borderline actually sensible and like there might actually, there might actually be some useful advice in here is um, you've got to get, but you've got to, you've got to be able to chip. You've got to be able to chip in winter because bump and runs not available. My friend, <laughs> I rely on the bump and run. Oh, no, 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 not in winter. <laughs> it's not going to work if you do it out of the rough anyway. There. Well, Ben's absolutely fucked then. So, Fallis, what's, what's your what's <laughs> yeah. your what's your amateur level tips for winter golf for the listeners? Well, I, I, I've got four. Uh, Ooh, number okay. one, similar to Tim, actually, gone down the gears front is wear as fewer layers as possible. Um, I kind of touched upon it earlier on, but as everyone else is restricting their swing by lumping on layer after layer, which is ultimately going to negatively affect their game, you want to be as freely moving as possible. So, you know. Judge the weather accordingly. Obviously, make sure you're still warm, but just get a good thermal under layer on and then a, a good top over the top. That, that tends to do me. Um, good snood, good hat. Yeah, always does. Always, 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 always. This is my number one tip for anyone who's taken up golf or anyone 
on the golf course for that matter, always pack two spare pairs of socks. Never, <laughs> un- never <laughs> underestimate the positive, great feeling you get as your mates are complaining about having wet, stodgy golf shoes. You pull out a fresh, crisp pair of socks after hole seven. It just even if you're having a crap round, you've got that to look forward to. You can say, oh, in, in a hole's time, I'm putting on a fresh pair of dry socks. Even if they're mm-hmm. only dry for a hole oh. or two holes, just gives you a great feeling. Could you not just buy a pair of waterproof shoes? Yeah, but come on. <laughs> we, we, the situations we put ourselves in, we put ourselves in some right marshes. So hey, it's, 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 wet. Uh, it's a challenge. A, ch- a choice between investing you get to inv- invest in some new golf socks or invest in a new pair of waterproof golf shoes another great opportunity to spend some money on golf gears more, more golf gears okay. yeah um okay. and just no it's just nice isn't it? nice warm socks it's just <laughs> my little my, my little bit keeps me again uh number three little little bit kind of more serious is understand your distances a- a- anyone who uh, is hitting the ball with any consistency will benefit from knowing the distances um, it will fly significantly different uh, in the winter and obviously understand the turf so when you do start striking the ball the wedge it's going to be a little bit different to what it is uh, in the summer and the final one I mean, this is kind of a personal one if you wake up and it's raining don't feel guilty don't about play. sacking it off it's fine. <laughs> you, it will. Uh, do not like, suck like, it off. I do you'll, only, that. you'll only get really upset when you start playing badly, and yeah, just do it's... not be the guy that you're playing in a two ball and you're the one that cancels. Don't be that person. <laughs> yeah. Don't be that. Okay, I only had one sensible tip. Well, what I think is sensible: take more club. Yeah, that's all I had. Take more club. It, it's, I I think Jimmy, that's a a theme that I tell myself in summer anyway. I'm like, take an extra club than you think you need. Um, in winter, it's 100%. Always take more club than what you think you are doing in the summer. It is not going to roll. It is going, especially like going into the green, attack the pin, like hit something that you know is just going to land or somewhere near pin level. Don't think it's going to hit and roll up anywhere. Just attack it would be mine. And again, this all may change when we start playing if we go and play some of these nicer courses and we're like, oh, it turns out when you play nicer courses, these things don't apply. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My ball isn't plugged. Interesting. Um, oh. No, I, oh, Tim, I got well, more. Okay. Final, final one. Promise this is my final one. That's it. It could be your final one. Go for it. If you're taking a practice shot in winter, just be very mindful of what's in front of you when you're taking your practice shot because this happened to me literally the other day. I was on the tee box, about to tee off. My co- my colleague who'd gone before me, his driver had not gone as well as he wanted to, so he's taken practice. <laughs> 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 was this again? Of course it was. And lonely, <laughs> as I was beginning to, you know, as I was about to start my, my my swing, I got absolutely pelted in the back by an absolute tee box mud pelt. Because he give it, whacked it at my back. So just be aware of that. Be aware. Well, just of where bear, bear, bear in context, so listeners, one of our pals is a repeat offender, and we're talking every single round. You can expect one, one tee box mud pelt whistling past your ear every time. I think I think that's the best tip. I think that's the one that we should uh, leave the listeners with on this show. Uh, so unless you guys have got anything else to add I think we should leave it there and say see you later and we'll catch you next week 
Until next time. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for listening. If you have enjoyed today's show, then please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Uh, If you're not on iTunes, then you could do us a favor by sharing it on your socials. Maybe screenshot the episode uh, and share it out there and give us a shout out. Uh, As always, this show has been brought to you by Sunday Red Golf, the golf club for the hacker, the person who just loves their golf. Uh, We have golf days, events, competitions, giveaways, and more. If you love your golf, you will want to be a part of this. So come on over to sundayredgolf.co.uk to join the club now. And this has also been brought to you by Tour Champ. So if you like us, you've heard us talking about the Frey Ventos Invitational. We have the race to Frey Ventos. If you'd like to find out who is your golfer of the year within your group, then head on over to tourchamp.co and start your own golf league now.